Hello there, you're listening to the Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. We'll also be going over the results of the Golden Globe Awards. And then we'll look to the year ahead and share our top 10 most anticipated films of 2024. The new year, our first show, the new year, and I'll tell you what, we got a whole bunch of news to talk about because Hollywood, after the strikes and then the holiday season, everything was dormant. Then now they have come back to life, returned with a fervor, and we have so many new film announcements. The first, Star Wars. We have always gotten plenty and plenty of Star Wars announcements, but this time I think it might actually stick the Mandalorian and Grogu. They're going to have John Favreau direct a movie instead of, apparently, instead of season four of the show. They will now make it into a movie and it's supposed to be the very next film that's coming out. So all those previous ones that we got about a potential Ray film, a Dave Filoni film, a James Mangold film, those will not be the first Star Wars film to come out in at least five years. It will be The Mandalorian and Grogu. Dylan, your thoughts. Do you think this film will actually see the light of day? And if so, are you excited for it? I think it will see the light of day, but I don't know if it's going to get a theatrical release. What if it's just a straight to Disney Plus? Essentially making it season four. Just one hour, two hour thing. (laughs) But then why do that, though? Well, number one, they have said it's like a theatrical release. It is. Uh, So unless uh, plans change, then it should be going to theaters. But if they were going to do that, then it's like just make season four. Yeah, I don't point. really but, care. I didn't even watch season three of The Mandalorian. I'm kind of off of being involved in Star Wars that much, except for Andor. I'll always be there for Andor. But other than that, I'm not really into it that much anymore. Same with Marvel. I just taking a step away, I suppose. Dang. I mean, I, of course, am very much excited to see Star Wars hit the big screen again, Mm -hmm. as it is well documented with our episodes in the past. There were a few projects that were on Disney Plus that definitely should have been on the big screen. Mm -hmm. I'm sad that (laughs) they were not able to be. So I do think it's cool that, yes, Obi-Wan, of course. Uh, I do think it's cool that they're going to take these established characters, definitely the like most notable characters that were not already in a film. Mm -hmm. They... I think would be a great jumping off point to get established fans that did really like Mandalorian season one and two. Again, season three was definitely not the strongest, but hopefully with them focusing on just like a two hour story and they don't have to stretch it out into a full season and don't have to incorporate, hopefully they won't try and incorporate an extensive list of characters. They'll just Mm -hmm. sort of focus on our key Mandalorian and Grogu and maybe a few familiar faces but establishing people or established fans will like it, have a connection with these characters, but then also new fans can come in and it won't be, again, as long as they play their cards right, it won't feel like they have to be caught up on uh, an entire show. It should just be something where it's like, all right, if you haven't seen season one through three, that's fine. We'll be able to establish quickly this uh, adopted father-son dynamic between 
Mandalorian and Baby Yoda, and then just go from there. So, yeah, I am excited for it just because I want Star Wars to come back to the big screen. But I am hesitant to see how they approach it if they try and marvelize it and make it like, oh, you had to have watched Mandalorian or to understand what's happening here. Or if they just try and use it as a cameo fest, that'll be pretty disappointing. Yeah, I mean, you just got to wait to see, I suppose. Mm-hmm. We also have talking about universes that uh, have wars and starships and all of that. Star Trek also getting an announcement of a new film, not a sequel, although they're still saying that's in development. But of course, that's been the case for many, many years now. But a new film, a prequel to the films that J.J. Abrams directed starting back in 09 that has been announced toby haynes you mentioned andor he was the director of multiple andor episodes and he will be helming this new star trek prequel so what are your thoughts on this one i don't care i don't care (laughs) i stopped caring about the star trek movies after into darkness and honestly why don't they just make a, a star trek the next generation reboot movie like why are we why are we clinging on to Kirk so much when I when I, when I get a little bit of Picard, you know? Right. Because nobody right. wants to nobody wants to try and take on Patrick Stewart to play Picard. Nobody wants to do that. Sometimes you, you just can. gotta try. Yeah, because this uh, I mean you know a prequel would suggest that they're moving away from Kirk anyway. So I think that would be a pretty fascinating approach yeah. for them to take once they, which I do want to see them return with. You know, Chris Pines, Kirk, and that whole crew give them at least one surefire finale uh, rather than, again, just how it's been. It's like always been up in the air ever since Star Trek Beyond of whether we'll get that closure. Mm. But that would be the logical next step would be to explore a Star Trek Next Generation reboot. Have James McAvoy play Jean-Luc Picard. He already played Charles Xavier. (laughs) Just have him do that. And he was great as Charles Xavier. You could do it. You could do it. You can make it work. It's <laughs> pretty funny. All right. Let's see if uh, any of these announcements will be able to excite you. You're mm-hmm. like the movie Grinch at the moment. None of them are uh, a little bit making your heart grow in. Grow it's, all just, it's all just franchise stuff that, that keeps getting announced. And it's like, don't care as much, you know? Yeah. I'm sure there will be at least two that you're going to be fan of later yeah. on. But first, yeah. we'll get through the rest of the franchise stuff. Top Gun 3 is in development. Paramount said, we got to do it. I I can dig it. I can dig it. I mean, it it makes sense. It made so much money at the box office and it was so successful and so acclaimed that they might as well make another sequel. I I see it happening and I dig it. Yeah, I don't dig it. Really? I thought Top Gun Maverick was a perfect follow-up, a legacy sequel. They ended it nicely. I don't see the need to come back. See, see, that's what they said about Toy Story 3. See, that's what they said about Toy Story 3. And then that's what they said about Toy Story 4. And now that's what they're saying about Toy Story 5. (laughs) You see, you think it needs to end, but really, really, if you're good at writing, you can keep anything going long enough. Well, we will see if Toy Story 5 pans out. But they did get away with it with Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4. The key with both of those is that they also sort of functioned as, uh, like, legacy sequels. I mean, both of them were almost a decade after the previous one. I don't know how long Top Gun 3 is going to be in development, but they got to do it soon because Tom Cruise is getting up there in age. Mm-hmm. So 
again, we'll see. I would have preferred if they were ever going to do it. It's like, okay, just do the same route of follow Miles Teller's rooster like many years down the line um, and have Tom Cruise not be flying, but just be in a like grounded mentor role. Oh, he'll always be flying. The best approach. But yeah, he's going to want to fly. People are going to want to see him fly. So again, it makes sense from a business perspective, but that seems to me what the it'll be like the color of money. He'll, he'll, was. he'll be jaded and not want to fly the whole time, and then he'll sit down at the very <laughs> end of the cockpit and he'll go and he'll gun it as fast as he can. He'll say, "I'm back," and hey, he'll launch. I'm back. I quote that so many times, and he said, like just randomly anytime something's back or I'm back in a room or whatever, I'm like, "Hey, I'm, I'm back. back." It's He's great. So freaking it's great. cool, dude! It's amazing. Paul I Newman. love Paul Newman. God, I love Paul Newman. <laughs> but yeah that is uh what they're gonna do they should also talk about sequels well so tom cruise signed a deal with warner brothers as well to develop some films over there and one of them should be the color of money too or just another sequel there we get a complete thing he we fills like in the whole new role and then we get crazy. a new a new young hot shot pool star um but yeah, so we'll be getting a lot more from Tom Cruise, and one of them will be Top Gun 3. But again, I just think Top Gun Maverick was such a an amazing surprise, was such a sensation. It's just going to be nearly impossible to recapture that. So I wish I would have just left it alone and took their massive victory. But again, it's Hollywood. It made $1.5 There's no way they're going to let that just sit. So yeah. We also have 28 years later in development. We had 28 days, 28 weeks, now 28 years with Danny Boyle and Alex Garland returning to collaborate. What about this one? Has it actually been 28 years since the first movie came out? Because it has they, not. They could wait, and that would be cool. But I mean, I don't really care. I never <laughs> I saw. Too. I never saw 28 days later or 28 weeks later, so I don't really care. I also have not seen those films, but whenever 28 years later it comes out, I'll definitely catch up on them since certainly 28 days later has been very well oh, seen. Yeah. It's talked about all the time, the whole him waking up, walking through that empty city. Uh, so yeah, I'll definitely be interested to check it out. But okay, this is going to be the one that's got to get you into gear. A new Paul Thomas Anderson film is on the way where he's pairing with Leonardo DiCaprio for the first time ever. Regina Hall and Sean Penn will also be part of the cast. Dylan, your thoughts? Yeah, I can dig that. That sounds cool. <laughs> All right, I knew that one was going to be very uh, positive. And then Wes Anderson also announcing a new film. He will reignite his ongoing collaboration with Bill Murray. And then uh, also reconnect with Benicio Del Toro. And then I believe for the first time, he'll be working with Michael Sarah. Yep, first time. You are a big fan of. So Love Michael Sarah. So yeah, that'll be another interesting auteur coming out with the film instead of all these you know big franchises trying to come back to life. Uh, we'll get a new PTA in Wes Anderson next year. Yeah. So very exciting stuff. For sure. Big time. In other news, The Last of Us has cast its Abby for season two in Caitlin Deaver. Interesting. Indeed. So you remember her from Booksmart yeah. um, and a few other uh, films. So she, I think, is a great selection. I think it's a good choice. 
because yeah she's just a great actress i really do like her mm-hmm. um ever since seeing her in Booksmart. and i think it is funny that she was one of the people rumored to play ellie for the longest time mm-hmm. like ever since i think when she hit the mainstream people were fan casting her for that and then now she's playing abby which is funny. a nice touch mm-hmm. she's gonna have to bulk up i'll tell you that though now now do you they're think gonna do for that I don't know, because season two might be before the second game, which would mean that this could be an earlier version of Abby. Cause, That's true. Because this is going to be, you know, what the events at the end of season one of the events at the end of the game where he kills Abby's dad. It could be them trying to fill in the gaps between the first game and the second game with more stories that are original, including giving Abby an arc between those games where we could fill in that time. So this could be a not-so-ripped Abby. And then in season three... Kaylin Deaver will have to get jacked. <laughs> she will have to get yeah. huge for this role. Yeah. I'm talking, I'm talking Natalie Portman and Thor kind of huge. Like, she's got to get big because Abby is huge. Yeah, I mean, way bigger than than that. Natalie Portman and Thor? Thor 4? Yeah. She was jacked in that because she's Thor. I don't know that she was jacked. I think for Natalie Portman. Dude, have you seen the pictures of Natalie Portman on like, set? Should not look uh Natalie Portman's as jacked as Abby in Thor 4. What are you talking about? Uh look up Natalie Portman Thor 4 set photos. (laughs) What the heck? There's one photo of her like posting up. Yeah, she's huge. She looks pretty big there. She got jacked. Um Yeah, not Abby Jack though. Again, that's like a, a different league, which again is Going to be unattainable, I think. She's still pretty jacked. And even to get in there. I mean, yeah. Not saying, uh, especially compared to how she normally looks, for sure. But again, Abby is insane. Abby so is insane. So we will, we will see how uh, how they try and get her to that point. But yeah, also, I do hope that they, uh, I mean, we talked about it on our last show. I do hope that they bring her in and showcase more of, like, an in something before just give us more of her character, game. yeah. Give us more, yeah. Stuff. Make us I mean, sympathize with her somehow. For sure. Because um, I think, I mean, yeah, she's going to be a great actress, very sympathetic. So I think they'll be able to do that if they decide to. Mm-hmm. Or, again, maybe they want to go a truly faithful adaptation. But I think it'd be a mistake with how much of a phenomenon it was, too. Like, there's no Game 3 yet to adapt. So it'd be weird to just do Game 1 as Season 1. And then game two was season two, and there was no uh, additional thing. Yeah. Although I think they were already saying they're going to split game two into two seasons, maybe. But maybe. Give did us more ever... before game two. That's just all I want. Do you ever two. watch Beef on Netflix? I did not. So they also cast Jesse in season two of Last of Us. And it's the, the, the guy who plays uh, Steven Yoon's brother. His name is uh, Young Mazzino. Dude, if you take a picture of him side by side with Jesse... It's perfect casting. He looks just like him. It's great. Really? Yeah, looks just like. Good choice. And he's a good actor, too. He's good in Beef. You should watch nice. Beef. Beef was really good. But Jesse is... Well, again, yeah, we'll have to see. Because, I mean, that's, like, exclusively Game 2 stuff. Well, he, I, mean, I guess he's part he, of that community. Yeah, he, he lives in the like community, a, yeah. He's in there. It's the same same reason that Dina's... Dina was already in Season 1, let alone Season 2. Yeah. There you teased Dina. Saw, uh, yeah, they teased her, but I think they announced a new. I think they like, officially cast for her. Yeah, yeah. 
which is kind Tough of break for the one yeah, uh, for real <laughs> for the Dina from season one. Should but, have just uh, not. Yeah. Should have just not teased it. Yeah. Rough. All right. Moving on to the box office breakdown for January fifth to the seventh. Wonka coming in first place with fourteen million, meaning it's the third time it's been at the number one spot. That's crazy. Over four weekends in total has one hundred sixty four million domestic. Wonka is the sensation of winter twenty twenty three. Wow. Who'd have thought? Good for Timmy. Timmy Timmy T. Timmy T. Chalamet. Good for him. Yeah, Timmy Chocolat. Indeed. After Wonka was the horror movie Night Swim with 11.7 million. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. 10.6 million. Able to hit the century mark domestically. So not a complete disaster. And it was able to outperform the Marvels. So it got DCU got one victory on its way out <laughs> so at least it has that fair illuminations migration with 9.9 million anyone but you with 9.7 million the boys in the boat which is the george clooney movie made 5.5 million the color purple with 4.6 million bringing semantic total to 54 million so not quite as strong legs as you know its big debut on that opening day christmas mm-hmm. so a little unfortunate there, yeah. but still doing pretty decent. Iron Claw, the Zac Efron wrestling movie from A24, made $4.6 million, or I mean $4.5 million. Ferrari, Adam Driver, Michael Mann, $2.4 million. And Poor Things, the Yorgos Lanthimos movie, made $1.9 million. Mm-hmm. For the predictions for this upcoming weekend, January 12th to the 14th, we have The Beekeeper. Jason Statham in a new action film. I collect bees. <laughs> Do you want to see my bees? I see that trailer so often. Have you been getting that? I see a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's on like, like YouTube and stuff. Crazy. Everywhere. And Instagram. Yes. Yeah. And IMDb. It's everywhere. So, it does not uh, look good. No, but I mean, yeah, it looks intentionally like a, you know, a B movie action thing. So yeah. What will it get though? Will people go out to see this little uh, this beekeeper try and get revenge against the whole world? I'm thinking again, just based on like the crazy amount of uh, trailers and whatnot, they've been pushing the marketing really well for it. At least to me, again, obviously our algorithms are going to cater to films, but um, if they keep that up elsewhere, I feel like it'll uh, the word will spread for it and nothing new i mean night swim just came out but that's like a horror thing so uh, i don't know what action film we've had lately so i think it'll appeal enough and it is a holiday weekend so people are gonna decide to just head out i think for it so i think it can get 15 million i'm gonna say 10 max i don't think it's gonna go too far to double digits it's come on it's just not good Nobody wants to see it. Yeah, but they said to be or not to be. God, it's and it can only be to be. Terrible. <laughs> that is so dumb. I think really... it's not to be. I think it's not to be for sure. <laughs> yeah, we will see which it is uh, next weekend. But I think yeah, double digits. It'll probably get. It seems like one of those that enough people will turn out for it. But it'll probably be beaten this weekend by Mean Girls, mm-hmm. which is. A musical, an adaptation of, was it a Broadway musical? It was a Broadway musical, um, yeah. So, and I don't know that it was entirely marketed as such, 
but it is a popular brand. And again, I think uh, there will be enough fans knowing that it's a musical that want to turn out to it. And there's a really mean girls that want to like return to it, maybe thinking it'll be a reboot or a sequel or something. So I feel like opening weekend, it'll do well. And then afterwards, I think it will not do well until it hits streaming. But I think it can get like 23 million. There's a really funny video that I saw online and it's uh I think it's it had to be staged because it's just it's just too perfect but it's a video someone's taking in the theater as they're watching the movie and it's the very like one of the very first scenes the main girl who's playing the Lindsay Lohan role is sitting in class and she's talking to the cute boy and they're like talking a little bit then he turns around and then the spotlight drops on her and she starts to sing and everybody in the theater goes oh dude it's so <laughs> funny it's so good like the the collective disappointment realizing it's a musical is hilarious <laughs> that was pretty good so yeah we'll see how that affects things if people are uh, unfortunately surprised although wonka again it's reportedly a musical yeah people have been really enjoying that so maybe yeah. it will actually uh be in its favor but yeah i'm gonna say mean girls 25 mil i think it can hit it. 25 mil. i'm okay. gonna go for it yeah i think people will pull out i went to the theaters yesterday and uh there were a lot of people there to see mean girls gotcha all right cool let's now go over the golden globes it has returned after mm. a year off because of the whole HFPA dissolving and then Golden Globes getting bought out. So new and improved, potentially, Golden Globes will get each other's takes on that. But one thing that has not changed is the mess of the overall program itself, especially when it comes to the hosts. Oh, so Joe Coy. Oh, God. So sad. Because I like Joe Coy, but man... What a what a flub. God, it's so sad. It's yeah, a so hard you, I watched the whole thing. His whole monologue. Watch the whole thing. Oh, I watched man. the whole monologue. <laughs> I didn't watch all of the Golden Globes. I skipped the whole thing and I've just been watching recaps uh over the last week and I watched his whole monologue. And there were many times I wanted to stop watching it, but I made myself watch the whole thing because I knew we were gonna talk about it. Dude, it's rough. It's I'm glad it's you really did your due rough. diligence for that. Cause I I did not. So I was catching it like live mm -hmm. on the night. I missed the first like 30, 40 minutes or something. Um, I got like a notification that RDJ had won. And I was like, oh, snap, the Golden Globes are on. So then I went to turn it on um, and started recording it. And then mm -hmm. bits and pieces as I was like doing other things in the night and cooking and whatnot, um, I would come back and see. But it was funny when I had it recorded, I started playing it. And so I can fast forward whenever I want. And then it started on, like, I go through a commercial break, I land, and it's Joe Coy. So this is deep into the show, not yeah. the monologue. So I missed that. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't heard anything yet about, like, the controversy or anything. So it, he comes out on stage and he starts talking about, like, his suit and how he, like, how he ended up getting dressed by a stylist or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I fast-forwarded through that. And it was only, like, 15, 20 seconds of him just talking about it. But I was like this... There is no punchline yet. It doesn't seem to be building to a joke. He didn't seem to like have any gravitas with it. So I fast forwarded through that just being like, it was just not interesting. It wasn't yeah. compelling or funny at all. And then later is when I find out like how badly he was bombing. Dude, it was and I just rough. thought it was funny that just without that context, just somewhere in the show, a random like joke as he's about to introduce an announcer. I was just like, oof, he's not like, this isn't that interesting of a, Posting. Ryan yeah. skips 
all of the the more controversial material misses the whole bombing gets to a random section in washington goes this guy sucks and just fast forward exactly <laughs> that's what's terrible not even the worst part, part of it not even the, the worst, worst part, part. did you watch like, oh. did you watch any of the monologue so I did go back and look at the two major ones. So the Barbie joke and then the Taylor Swift joke. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that were like the the massive ones. But the rest of them, were they all just like oh, bombing dude. or getting? Just- it's so so. I watched a bunch of videos afterward of comedians talking about it because they all talked about it. Anytime, yeah. anytime a comedian bombs that publicly, they have to talk about it. And so right. the one that I liked the most was. Uh, it was um, Stavros and a couple other guys, and they were talking. And or no, it was uh, Andrew Schultz's podcast, and he was talking with a couple other guys. And, yeah. and he was saying that it is a really hard audience to perform to because when you're out there, you're there to make jokes. As a comedian, to follow Ricky Gervais, your job is to make jokes about the people in the room. And if you mm-hmm. care about it, it shows, and it, it's really hard to keep that audience going, because you have to go out there knowing you're not going to make those people laugh that hard, because they're the people you're making fun of. Ricky Gervais Great. will go out there, and he won't give a fuck, and he will just tear into it knowing that the people that are laughing are the people at home. He's not expecting big laughs in that room. I think Joe Coy went out there expecting the room to laugh with him, but he's trying to do a Ricky Gervais thing where he's teasing the people in the room, and he goes out there and you can see that he was not expecting a lack of laughter. Yeah, I think it, it's as well because, yeah, the whole like it's a roast format, yeah. basically, that Ricky Gervais done. But he went for it. Like he dedicated fully. And if he got no laughs, he was going to be fine with it. Yeah, but he did often sure. get a lot of laughs. He got obviously like, you know, the Tom Hanks cringe pose and mm-hmm. all of that. People being like, oof. But there were a lot of laughs in that room as well. Because one, a lot of his jabs were clever but two he was fully dedicated with joe coy at least with the like few that i saw like the barbie joke and taylor joke like he delivered them kind of in a shy like tepid way like he knew he it was like, it, this, yeah. this might not get a good response and so he didn't want to fully dedicate but yeah. then that made like, the delivery it made it worse awkward and made it like yeah more notable that he wasn't as confident in them yeah so you got a yeah, full send just, it. like you got a full send it absolutely you got to be and the other yeah the other thing that was <laughs> a big big issue was him calling out in the middle of bombing being like hey some of these jokes i didn't write dude it's the ones so i did bad. write you're laughing at it's like that is that's horrible not yeah. something you do i thought i, got, I saw those he, comments. Goes, he goes he goes i got the job 10 days ago what do you expect i'm like exactly yeah I'm like, dude then don't take it or like be much better in your 10 days preparing for it um but i saw those comments in just like some article recapping the thing and so i thought that was like a post show interview that he was doing and he was like talking about it i didn't realize that that was something he said during yeah. the monologue as he's he was go- bombing i'm like that's a thousand oh, times worse it's so oh. bad honestly like if you're bombing you just got to take it and keep moving like to to you can't get frustrated especially when you're on television like that live bro you just got to take it and roll with it yeah and for sure as a viewer as someone who's not in the room i can hear laughter to most of the jokes and even if i don't think they're that funny if you just keep telling them and you keep going through it and you get like mediocre laughter, I won't think you're bombing that hard. But his reaction is what let me and that and like the cutaways to this to the actors' faces. It was the combination of those two that let me know that he was bombing. I, I think I would have gotten kind of a hint because, dude, when it cuts to Robert De Niro, oh my god, dude, stone faced, just not laughing in the slightest. When he makes the joke about um, Killers of the Flower Moon being about uh, stealing like white people even steal the story that's not like a like 
it's not even like a bad joke. Like it, it, it it's kind of like cheap shot, but mm-hmm. you make it work. But he just he delivers it so tepidly and unconfidently, and then it cuts to industry titan Martin Scorsese, stone faced, <laughs> doesn't give a fuck. Oh my yeah. god, dude, not great. And again, some of the again, I haven't seen all those jokes that he were giving. The Barbie joke was insane. Can't believe anyone would have. Like in this year, the year of Barbie of like the biggest sensation. Yeah. Why he would make a joke reducing it to, oh, it's about plastic dolls with big boobies. Why would you ever think that was a good idea? So that was also an awkward like cutaway to Greta Gerwig being like crushed at uh, the film she made being reduced to that. Yeah. Um, and then the Taylor joke, I thought it was also crazy because she like fully leaned into not even just a stone face, like I'm not amused, like literally like doing a drinking of the wine and showing how. I really, I didn't even think that that was that bad of a joke. Like, that's the thing, though. That was a it's, good, it's, it's like, decent. Like it's true for a joke. People, it is true. People yeah. who watch the NFL know that they cut to Taylor Swift so, so often now that often. she now that she's dating Travis Kelsey. Like As that's a who, that's a funny yeah, joke. Someone who's been watching more football this year, yeah, than having like the past thirteen or fourteen years, dude. It's Taylor Swift um, all the time. Yeah, they cut to her so often, and they're going to frequently i imagine in tonight's game dude dolphins and the chiefs yeah it's so sad dude dolphins i was so excited i was like finally this is our year i've been waiting forever and then of course we always collapse you're a dolphins fan season. yeah uh you just like benny what happened to the bucks man bucks are closer they are i mean i like the bucks but it was always the dolphins man they were the the ones that came in i don't know it's funny like in florida because at least where we are it's like you take your pick yeah no the there's Jags, three bucks or the dolphins and, and I none just of them are doing the dolphins no but i mean the bucks had their year so those fans are fed uh but For dolphins sure. dude, dude I, I became a bucks fan the year after that i was like oh man they're doing good i guess i'll be a fan and then after that year they were dog shit i was yeah. so sad i watched like four games and i was like, this is terrible i fucking hate this so sure. bad. Loss after loss after loss. After they won the fucking Super Bowl, bro. Terrible. <laughs> but yeah, so hopefully, again, we will see lots of cuts to Taylor Swift in the game against the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, sadly, I don't think the Dolphins will go forward. But like that concept, and again, they could have turned it, because it was like a light jab, which I think was fine, because it wasn't yeah, really no. that, uh, mean to her. No, it was um, funny. It was they a joke. They, he, he could have flipped it as well to even be like playfully like oh we're here at the golden globes like we're gonna try to cut to taylor as much as the nfl but i don't know if we're gonna be able to do that because they do it so much something where it's like a positive i think a funnier bit would have had a negative would have been uh uh, now that we're at the golden globes we're gonna cut more to travis kelsey i think that would have been funny just like have (laughs) him there if you were there yeah that would have been if you were that would have been funny. i think he was at a football game at that point so um so yeah, not uh, not the greatest hosting gig we've ever seen. So yeah, yeah. tough break for, for him. He'll never be getting that job again. He, I mean, he had a film Easter Sunday, which bombed horribly. So yeah, not a great couple years for Joe Coy. We'll see if he'll. Be I think they should give Joe Coy another chance. I think he should host next year. <laughs> I think they should give him like a sufficient amount of time to be able to to go out there and do it and i like like because 10 days is a very short period of time to be given the job and then to go out there and do it it is odd why'd they wait so long to try and get somebody i bet they were trying to get ricky gervais to do it and they were negotiating and it just fell through which is so funny that he won (laughs) the golden globe for yeah comedy special yeah and he wasn't even there to accept it yeah i mean he hates that shit he hates the golden globes 
He does. But honestly, he's, I mean, he's great as a host of Golden Globes. Like he's the exact right amount of energy for like the roasting uh, concept. But if you're not doing that, then I think they should get someone that tries to at least show their appreciation for yeah. film and television in the yeah. midst of like their light jabs. Because I wish, God, I wish, I wish Ricky Gervais would just host it every year. It would just make me want to watch the Golden Globes. Exactly. Be so good. All right, let's talk about the awards now that we've we've destroyed Joe Coy as much as we could, just like everybody else, just like every other everyone else has piled onto. We did our own little bit on Joe Coy. Let's start with the television awards. Let's just blow through these real quick. Three shows won pretty much. It was Succession, The Bear, and Beef. That's it. They yeah. just cleaned up mm-hmm. those awards, which I'm I'm not surprised, but I'm a little disappointed because there it's were other great shows. You had Ted Lasso out there. You had Barry out there. I mean, there were other people who could have won awards. And to to give it landslide victory to three shows for their respective categories just feels like why even show up? What's even the point? What's even the point in competing? To give every drama award to Succession, every comedy award to The Bear, and then every a miniseries TV movie award to beef. It's like, what's, what's even the point of showing up? Exactly. Especially because so it didn't feel like it. It wasn't like I watched the, cause I've seen all three of those shows. It's not like I watched all of those and thought, Oh, these shows deserve all of the awards. I don't really think that I thought succession season four was great. And I think it deserved a lot of awards, but maybe not all of them. I thought the bear season two was really great. I don't know if Jeremy Allen white should have won again and uh, beef. Yeah. I think I would have given beef those awards. Beef was great. <laughs> beef's the only one where i'm like i looked at the things competing against it and beef wins like beef was ali wong was fantastic steven ewan was fantastic the whole show is fantastic beef wins like that makes sense right though. but the other two i'm like come on barry had its its uh final season it was fantastic bill Hader should have won uh the guy who plays noah hank should have won i mean there were other people contending here that definitely had a shot and didn't make it which is unfair so i hope the emmys did they, the Emmys didn't happen yet, right? February? Emmys are this weekend. This weekend. Or not, well, tomorrow night, yeah. I think the Emmys should be more diverse in how they hand out these awards. I agree. I don't think they're, I don't they're think, typically the same way of like a huge sweep. Like it's going to be Succession. But I don't weekend. think Succession Season 4 and The Bear Season 2 are like seasons of television that deserve sweeps compared to what else has come out last year. Like there are other things that came out that I think deserve awards here and there so i don't think it should be a sweep it's not I like I'm, we uh, still need a better call saul to get dude one, for real, one just single one Emmy. for the love of god, <laughs> for, god. Yeah, i'm happy for kieran culkin our little slime i puppy. love kieran culkin. Golden Globe. he's great but, but not a bob, good look for our uh bob. our man bob odenkirk bob deserves an call award saul. and then same thing for yeah the best show it's definitely going to go to succession yeah, sure. instead of better call song which is shame because again succession was fantastic we both loved that show had a huge episode on it it was great ain't but nothing compared to an even better call bigger and longer show on better call song and that final season of better call song was, was incredible it was the best of that show amazing oh so well, some, one of the most year. sensational television seasons of television i've ever seen in my life was season six of better call song Exactly. So I hope that is able to get honored, but it's been so long since then that it's not going to do do it, it. which is such a shame. Um, So yeah, I I just can't, can't believe that yet again, it'll be a succession sweep, which they've kind of had every single year. Every fucking year. Like, like we get it. They're great, but 
like let's spread the love around to other shows that are deserving. But then also again, I like just, Better Call Saul, I just think he's more deserving. Like, like he needs to get honored. I just think in terms of like, if I was actually voting, what would I vote for? And it bewilders me that time and time again, Succession wins every single year. I'm not saying yeah. it's not great. It is great. We had our whole episode on it. We praised it like crazy. We love Succession. But there are other shows out there, especially this last season of Succession, that I think did a better job. And I think the last season of Succession is fantastic. I think it has a lot of twists and turns. I think that the acting is brilliant, especially for Kieran Culkin, who deserves an award. I think he's fantastic. But there are other shows that came out this past year that I think deserve it more. Yeah. It's just me. Hey, I agree. I'm with you. So we will see how the Emmys go. We'll report on it next week. But again, it'll be us reporting essentially the same thing. Yeah. As what we just did here of who the winners are going to be. But exactly. yeah, definitely happy for the Succession crew. Um, definitely happy for Stephen Young being able to get his Golden Globe. Love him. Um, and I haven't seen The Bear yet, but I do know Jeremy Allen White. Ayo Adebri are... It's crazy that he won two in a row. Ayo Adebri deserved a win. She's fantastic. But Jeremy Allen White, two in a row is crazy. Come on. Get the fuck out of here. Two in a row? That's crazy. He's he's fantastic. (laughs) He is fantastic. And the show is great. But this was the last season of Barry. And Bill Hader... I know, you're a huge Barry fan. We'll see, though. Emmys might... Well, Bill Hader kills it. Every fucking year he gets better. Every fucking year he gets better. He's so good. I still think he should have won for... for I think what should have happened was he should have won for season three. And Jeremy Allen White shouldn't have for the Bear season one. And then Jeremy Allen White should have won this year like he did. Because mm. I think I think Bill Hader's... I think Bill Hader's got stiff last year is why I'm still upset. And then the fact that he got stiffed again this year at the Golden Globes makes me upset more. But... Season three, Bill Hader in Barry is one of the greatest television performances I've seen in my life. Him in season three is fucking phenomenal. Season four, Mm -hmm. his role is a little minimized compared to season three, but oh my God, dude. It's one of the greatest like TV performances of all time is him in season three of Barry. It's insane how good he is. There are like specific scenes I can point to where just his physical performance, not even like him delivering lines, but his physical performance is so domineering and insane. I just, I don't know how you watch that and don't just immediately check the box that says Bill Hader. It's crazy. Jeremy great. Allen White, great actor. Great. Bill Hader, insane, dude. Should have won. Maybe the categories are so odd because I don't even think the bear is really classified as a comedy. Like it's in that 30 minute slot. They called it a comedy. Yeah. But I hear that also takes a lot more like dramatic turns. Same yeah. way that Barry did it, like started out more as a comedy, but then definitely evolved into more of a dramatic thing. Dude. So maybe that's it. Like I don't know if Jeremy Allen White is offering more of a noticeably comedic performance. No, neither of them. What more. Barry was doing or what no, Bill Hader was doing. They're both they're both serious performances. On. They're not comedic yeah. performances. But dude, oh my god. Barry just is not funny. And by the end of it, I mean, it's hilarious. There are, it, it will have like, every episode will have like one really good bit. And then around that bit is like some of the darkest TV you'll ever see. It is so, so like dramatic and dark and violent and intense. 
which is so funny because when the show starts, it is a full on comedy. Like from the get go, it doesn't get dark until the very end of that season. It like starts off a full like slapstick. Bill Hader. Bill Hader's a funny guy who's playing a, a serious hitman. Isn't that funny? Kind of TV show. And then you get to season three, and it's just not a comedy anymore. Not even close. It is one of just the most unfunny, very ser- taken seriously shows of all time. And then every once in a while, we'll have a mind blowingly funny bit that just comes out of nowhere. God, yeah, Barry's such a good show. We gotta do an episode on Barry now that it's over. We're gonna yeah, at some point like when we said, yeah, when we do our scheduling, it'll happen. When we do our scheduling for this year, we got to budget out an episode for Barry because I, I want to make you watch that show. I want to make everybody watch the show. Nobody watched that show because me and my dad and Spencer, I think. Nobody's seen it. More people need to talk about Barry. Yeah, hoping uh, for some good news for you and Bill Hader for the Emmys, but fingers crossed. I doubt it. Let's talk about the movies now. Boy and the Heron wins animated feature film. So shout out to Miyazaki and all the animators and producers that worked on that. First Golden Globe for Studio Ghibli. That is true. Yeah. But that doesn't uh, make any impact on the Oscars draft. And so we get a nice picture of how things might develop from the Golden Globes. Though again, in the past with HFPA era, there would always be some like curveballs that are thrown in. But this Golden Globes, as you can see from like the nominations and the wins, I think definitely is aligning more with the Oscars voting body and we don't know who's voting for the golden globes right now like i don't know who dude i don't know the golden globes has always been wild cards a lot of the time like sometimes again they're entirely new now so yeah there are times where it lines up to where like there's a track down the awards show road where the same person wins every single time but a lot of the times the golden globes is just full wild card remember when aaron taylor johnson won for a movie that nobody saw and then wasn't even nominated for an oscar he won best actor and supporting role in a motion picture at the Golden Globes for for a movie that nobody watched and then was not, of course, not even nominated at the Oscars. Like, it's just yeah. wild card shit that happens at the Golden Globes. Anybody can fucking win, you know? Because in the in the old days, I don't, you're right, I don't know who's voting now, but back in the day, there were 90 people voting. 90. That is not a lot of people. It's a very small no. voting body. And so just anybody could fucking win that shit. It was crazy. Exactly. It was like the Wild so, West. Let's look at the victors for this one. So Anatomy of a Fall. Took home two wins. Screenplay for Justine Trier and Arthur Harari. And Best Foreign Language Film. So only one, of course, will be el- Anatomy of Fall will be eligible for for the Oscars. It won't right. be in the international feature. But it is competing in screenplay. And here it picked up to everyone but you, apparently, a surprise win for screenplay in this category. I fucking told you. So, I fucking told you. Bitch. Again. I don't think it'll win the Oscar. I don't think so either, but it'll get a nomination, bitch. Well, absolutely. This definitely confirms it'll get noms for Best Picture and for Screenplay. And then we'll see what else it might be able to pick up. But definitely there's uh, a big push behind this one as one of the two big international films that'll be competing. So that's nice. Poor Things with Best Actress for a Comedy or Musical, Emma Stone. And then Best Comedy slash Musical, it beat out barbie for that one so that took home two wins good for poor things speaking of barbie barbie won best song for billy and Phineas eilish and it won cinematic achievement which i'm not surprised i mean it yeah, wasn't the cinematic achievement it yeah. wasn't the biggest earner of the year but it did 
you know, blow a lot of things out of the water and it was a surprising smash. So I'm not surprised. It did. It was number one. Oh, never mind. That's why it's funny. That, yeah, it just I, thought Mario, exactly I thought Mario beat it slightly. No, Barbie took over. Um, oh, get fucked. It was within that, 100 man. million. But yeah, Barbie was the number one worldwide of the year. And so well, then, box office. I thought it was going to go to Taylor Swift. I thought that was the whole thing, why they like made sure she was there. Um, but they didn't. So she was just fun. there to yeah. you know be honored for her nomination. But yeah, I went to Barbie, which was fascinating because that happened earlier in the night than comedy and musical. So then I was like, oh, like this is there because at first it was Margot Robbie that was going up to accept it. But then like all of the team went up, Greta Gerwig went up and then mm-hmm. she like spoke. So it's like, oh, this is their like victory speech for everything. Like maybe they're not getting comedy and musical. Yeah, I didn't think they would. Which they didn't end up getting. So yeah, Holdovers also with two wins gets Best Actor, Paul Giamatti, which was for the comedy. And then Supporting isn't divided up between uh, comedy or drama. And it was Tavine Joy Randolph who won yeah. that one. I would like to issue an apology. I think in a, a couple episodes ago when we were talking about the holdovers, I said Devine Joy Robinson. That was incorrect. Oh, no. It's Devine Joy Randolph. I apologize. Gotcha. Thank you for that correction. Killers of the Flower Moon, Best Actress, Lily Gladstone. Not to be confused with uh, Lily James or Lily. Who did I say? I said some Lily one time. You said say Lily like, James, which was really funny. Yeah. Dang. So yeah, Lily Gladstone takes home the win uh, for that one in the drama category. Yep, and Oppenheimer slaughtered last night or last weekend with five wins. He won Best Score, Best Supporting Actor for Robert Downey Jr., Best Actor in a Drama for Killian Murphy, Best Director for Christopher Nolan, and Best Picture Drama. Slaughtered. Absolutely. Feeling good? So, yeah, how I feel about the race? I will definitely say I'm feeling... Very good. Fair enough. So Oppenheimer. So yeah, we I was looking here at like the breaking down the wins and then how many actually would apply. Um, and so I'm gonna give you best actress. Thank you. And I'm gonna take out best actor so I wouldn't work. So it'd be five plus one. Um, so that would be six wins. If I get all of Oppenheimer plus Devine Joy Randolph, mm. can't get two best actors, and again I'm giving you best actress. So you have three wins. So screenplay, the song, and then actress, yeah. killers. And then I would have all of Oppenheimer, which is five. And then I would get supporting actress as well. All right. So of the ones that carry over to Oscars, I would have six wins. You would have three wins, which definitely bodes well for me. Again, this is all the above the line stuff, though. No technicals. So I could always shake up the race. But I am feeling very good. You should. Oppenheimer. You had a big night at the Golden Globes. Yeah, I think with the speeches that they gave, mm-hmm. I think Lily Gladstone, I mean, Emma Stone also gave a really good speech, but I think Lily Gladstone's was highlighting, again, the importance of this role and this performance in a very strong way that I think will resonate with voters. And then Killian Murphy and Christopher Nolan, I think both did the same sort of thing, where like the speech, the way they came off is just going to make people want to vote for them. Yeah. And then the same with RDJ, but we already knew that. I mean, people love him and he had a great speech yeah. as well so do you think, like, I think they've done a great job do you think the last time is gonna win now i still think it's a very tight race um because again the one thing that's holding her back is just 
she she is present and again it's a long film so the runtime you know she yeah. is in a lot but there is a clear portion of the film where she takes a step back yeah. and is bedridden um and so the possibility of like well that's not really a lead performance it's supporting mm-hmm. whereas it's undeniable that emma stone would be a lead performance who does incredible in that so it should be between those two and it could go either way honestly i yeah. think emma stone having already won again mm-hmm. like that hurts her narrative lily gladstone this would be her first victory first victory for uh, an indigenous woman it being for like this particular part like i think that narrative is very strong but supporting actress versus leading actress again that's the one yeah. thing that's holding her back for so the- there's reasons for and against for both um so yeah, it's a toss-up and they both obviously yeah. won here so we'll have to see what the other like precursors sag nominations came out they're both nominated oh. so we'll see like who wins that dude so, so yeah. for for narrative wise and i also liked her performance i do want to root for lily gladstone so bad because i thought she was good in the movie and she does have a good narrative behind her and i would want her to win but i watched poor things last night and emma stone is so fucking good dude if she doesn't win it's a fucking travesty that was one of the like single-handedly one of the best film performances i've seen in my entire life she fucking kills it the entire movie like the whole movie's on her shoulders in the same way that oppenheimer's on killian murphy's shoulders this whole movie is on her shoulders and she is killing it dude she's killing it yeah so we will we will see yeah i also think mark ruffalo should beat robert downey jr i think mark ruffalo is also fantastic in that movie like a lot of the comedy here yeah i would pick mark ruffalo over him because there's a lot of comedy that is on his shoulders in that movie and he like he like carries a lot of it he's great gotcha yeah i think he he missed the sag nomination I that's think. so sad for supporting actor did willem dafoe get but it he did so yeah it was willem dafoe instead of mark ruffalo okay. but we'll see for the oscars how that would go because again dafoe honestly does not get nominated that often no. um and he's obviously number one so we will see whether they go ruffalo or they should go ruffalo like willem dafoe's great but mark ruffalo the whole movie like the whole comedy in like a the good chunk in the middle of the movie a lot of the comedy is on his shoulders and he's fantastic fantastic just absolutely great it's just such an odd role for him to be cast in at this age and he's just so good and it's like surprisingly good all right so how are you feeling then you're I'm feeling a little nervous. shaken. Feel like you'll okay, shaken. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a little nervous for sure. But I'm I'm here for the ride, and I'm I I, I still beat you at the box office draft, which hey, was no my crowning achievement of last year. The thing I'm most proud of that happened in my personal life last year was beating <laughs> you in the box office draft because I've lost every year. I not only lost, I've been slaughtered every year up until now, and finally, yeah. finally, I got the edge on you. And what was crazy, just it's the full underdog victory. We'll we'll talk about it when it we is, yeah, save it for the I'll draft episode. It. But God we'll we'll build up to the reveal of your victory there. Yeah. But if I lose this yeah. one, I'll I'll take it in stride. Okay. All right, let's now talk about the most anticipated films of twenty twenty four. So let's start off with some honorable mentions. I know you just put together your list you want to run through some of your mentions i'll run through the honorable mentions it was hard because there were there was no there was one movie that like above all i wanted to see more than anything and then everything else was like i'm not super excited for most of these movies but my interest is peaked 
there weren't a lot of big hits coming out this year that I was like, I got to see this. I got to see it. Like last year, I had a lot of hits. I had to see Poor Things. I had to see Asteroid City, which I still haven't seen. I have to see Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> like there were like a bunch of big name filmmakers dropping movies last year that I just had to see. This year, yeah. it feels like there aren't as many big name big names dropping movies, at least as far as I can tell. But there's a lot of newer filmmakers who are dropping movies that seem interesting that I am curious about. So it's it's definitely an odd list, but you know, it, it, I feel like I will end up liking the movies on this list more on average than the ones from last year. Because last year's movies were big hits that I'm that I either am going to love or hate, and a lot of them I didn't end up liking as much as I thought I would. So last year was a bit of a disappointment. The ones coming out this year are all fucking wild cards. Like these these are movies that I have no frame of reference for because they're all very newer filmmakers, so they could be great, you know. So I'm thinking this year might be the year of the underdog for filmmakers. I'm, I'm feeling it. I think okay. it's going to be a lot of newer filmmakers coming out movies that hit my top 10 list next year. Let's hit some honorable mentions. There were just a few that I wanted to highlight. Lord of the Rings, War of the Rohirrim, the animated movie okay. coming out in December. Yeah. I mean, it was close. That one was almost going to make the list, but it got bumped off at the last second. Dude, it's an animated Lord of the Rings movie. Of course I'm going to be excited for it. It sounds awesome. <laughs> Uh, Spider-Verse only on the honorable mention list because there is no release date yet. I can't guarantee it's going to come out this year. And I have a very okay. strong feeling it's getting pushed to next year. Ain't no way. Yeah. yeah ain't no so way. it made honorable mention just because I don't know when it's coming out. If, But the thing is, if it did get a release date and it was this year, it would 100% be in my top three. So it's getting an honorable mention for that sake. Uh, there's a movie, an Italian movie called La Chimera coming out. It's got Josh O'Connor and Isabella Rossellini and it's about uh, grave robbers in the 1980s in Italy and it seems interesting I think I That's might funny. like it I was rooting for it to be in the top 10 but there was just not enough there that pushed me to want to really watch so like if I if I end up not seeing it it's not a big deal but like I was kind of interested in it uh, honorable mention for Love Lies Bleeding which is the Kristen Stewart movie that's coming out this year that one looks great very interesting. Great, great trailer. The the girl that's playing opposite uh, Kristen Stewart, that's what Abby needs that's to look like. That's Abby. That's yeah, what Abby needs to look like. She's jacked in that movie. She's huge. That is true jacked. Oh, yes. yeah. That's what Abby needs to look like, for sure. Uh, so that one gets an honorable mention. And then Drive Away Dolls, which is the Ethan Cohen movie? Joel Cohen? One of them. Only one of them, though. Yeah. I think it's Ethan. one of them. I think it's Ethan Cohen's movie. I'm going to look it up so that I'm not wrong. But I'm pretty sure it's Ethan Cohen. I'm excited for that. It looks interesting. It is Ethan Cohen. It looks interesting. It looks like it could be fun. It looks like it could be a good story. But from what I've seen of the trailer, I am hesitant to fully commit to saying I think I'm going to like it. So it's going to stay in the honorable mention list for now. What about you? Any honorable mentions? I do have some honorable mentions. So yeah, for this year for the top 10 list, going into it, I was like, dang like it's gonna be a sparse year i don't know what right what really on there but i was putting it together um there were it did develop into a pretty good list where i was like oh dang there actually is some where i'm leaving off there are the some movies that are gonna be big hits with a lot of people that i know are gonna be on your list that i know are not on mine or are yeah. very low on mine but are very high on yours definitely gonna be the case for sure but yeah they're definitely yeah, I was going just because there's so little information, and this happens every year. Like, for instance, past lives, things like that. Once we hit the festivals of Sundance and things like that, mm -hmm. new uh, films emerge that 
quickly rise to the top of like my most anticipated. Yeah. Um, but for now, a lot of what we have to go off is usually the big studio pictures rather than again those like smaller films that sort of come out of nowhere mm. so that's why it's always like biased towards those bigger films but there are quite a few like very exciting and uh out of the norm films that i'm looking forward to that made into my top 10 so i feel very happy with the list like all of these are ones that i'd for one reason or another would love to see and like be able to talk about on the show or just talk with friends about so yeah very very excited for that and my honorable mentions, I also have Lord of the Rings or the Hiram on there, just because that promise of a an animated film that is able to be of the same quality of like a Spider-Man film. We've been getting again some great animated features lately mm-hmm. with unique styles. So I'm hoping it's in that vein. That would be awesome. Yeah. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is getting an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I I'm a fan of the trilogy that just came out, although mm. truth be told, I never did see the last one. You never saw War for the Planet of the Apes? No. So that's one that's very uh, good. It's not as good for, as Dawn, but it's very good. Yeah, I love Dawn. Dude, I rewatched Dawn recently. Like as a fully grown adult. The last time I had seen it, I was maybe 15. As a fully grown adult, I rewatched it and I was like, dude, this movie's fucking amazing. It's how did, great, this, yeah. how did this not get more attention when it came out? How did this not get more Oscars? How is this not nominated for Best Picture? Like this movie is phenomenal. The CGI is incredible. The story is incredible. The acting, Jason Clark, dude, I will. Oh my god, that movie's so good. Agreed. Like what I remember loving, loving that when it came out. Like it was fantastic. Trust that we will be doing an episode on that trilogy for the pod, dude. Uh, in honor of Kingdom of the so Apes fucking good. So yeah, so this one has to be on that list just because I'm excited to go back and revisit rise and dawn and then see war for the first time mm. um and then this new one yeah i'm curious about how it's gonna end up shaking out but again just because i haven't seen war and i don't know where that left off and where this mm-hmm. ties in can't put on the top 10 but it is one that i'm excited to to check out uh wolves is a film uh with john watts and then it's i believe brad pitt oh Clooney. yes yes i've heard about this and they're both like competing fixer uppers. So I think that just sounds fascinating. Again, could go awry, but at the least, it's going to be very watchable, very entertaining to see those mm-hmm. two bona fide movie stars going at it. Um, again, seeing John Watts doing something outside of Spider Man will be fascinating to see. Did you ever see a uh, cop car? I did not. I watched cop car, and I actually kind of liked it. Like it was, it was very self contained, very simple, but. It was good, and Kevin Bacon's surprisingly good in it. But not not that Kevin Bacon's a bad actor. It's just it, it's like a small role, and like he's just like a corrupt cop. Like there's not a lot to it, but he like delivers a very very strong performance in what is a very simple role. But Kevin Bacon's a good actor, so I'm not surprised. But I'm a little surprised. But hey, it's great. <laughs> gotcha. So looking forward to that. Anora is a film coming mm. from Sean Baker. So, I can't believe you put that on your honorable mention list. Another yeah, so Sean Baker Salzburg movie after you walked out of Red Rocket? Didn't walk out, but really wanted to. So Adore. Oh, you walked out. Florida Project. Loved it. Fantastic. Hated Red Rocket. Yeah, you did. Despised. Again, yeah, you the, did. one of the few films that I truly considered walking out of a theater for that I paid money for that too. That wasn't an unlimited thing. That was me went and paid money. And I was like, I want to leap. So either way, this film is either going to be incredible and I'm going to fall in love with it or it's going to be 
terrible. I'm going to hate it yet again. Again, not that Red Racer, but I understand what it's going for, but it just did not click. It was unenjoyable entirely. Um, and so we'll see how this one goes, but I am very interested in it just because of how much of a strong reaction his previous two films have garnered. Mm-hmm. So we will see how that goes. Kinds of Kindness. I know it'll be on your list. Yorgos Lanthimos reteaming with Emma Stone and Willem Dafoe and adding Jesse Plemons. Come on. I mean, that is a recipe for success. Apparently this can be an anthology film um, with each of the like key actors playing different parts in the different stories. I believe that is, uh, is that, how it's being pitched. Is that coming out this year? Or not, yeah, 2024? It should be. It was oh, shit, the I gotta film. Redo, I got to redo my list. <laughs> it was and, but it I, got yeah, retitled. Yeah, I thought it was, thought it was coming kind of, out in 2025. Shit. Honestly, I'm not sure. I mean, you can double check. I believe it would be this year. This is, the, I looked it up. It says completely. had it on your list last year, I remember. Yeah. And so the they may have initially had it for 2023, but then pull, pushed it back to be 2024. Um, it'll definitely come out later in the year. So it'll be like December. But I can't see them pushing it to 2025. But either way, if it comes out this year, it uh, is on the list just because of how Yorgos, anything he does is so creative and interesting. So odd, unique. And has uh, fantastic performances in there. Again, just very, like, often clever and thought provoking dialogue and writing. So I'm very curious to see how that will play out. And then finally, it's a vestige of an excitement that I would have had much higher many, many years ago had it happened back then. Deadpool 3. Mm-hmm. Definitely always enjoyed the Deadpool films. For sure. We're getting to see uh, Hugh Jackman come back and be Wolverine. It's definitely going to be a love letter to the Fox uh, Marvel films. It's going to be playing with the multiverse, but not doing it in a straightforward fashion. It'll be taking the piss out of it, as the Brits would say. So that part of it is exciting. That's not going to be a rehash, but it's going to be like mm-hmm. acknowledging how overdone and abused this like new plot point that the superhero films have taken up is. So I'm curious about it. Fascinating to see how it goes. Hopefully it'll be a fun, enjoyable experience. But yeah, in general, the uh, superhero fatigue has definitely made my excitement for it wane. Yeah. Than what it would have been if years ago it was announced. But for sure. Yeah. It is my list of honorable mentions. So I'm going to go to you for your first batch of your top 10. So we're just going to do 10 through 5, or 10 through 6, 5 through 2, and then 1 like we usually do? Yeah. So I'm going to leave off Kinds of Kindness for now because there's no release date attached to it yet. And I don't want to commit to it being in my top 10 most anticipated films unless I can say for sure it comes out this year. But I will say that if it does come out this year or they drop a release date, that will be my second most anticipated film for sure. And this okay. movie, which is my 10th movie, will get dropped off the list. So that's that's the caveat I'm saying, but I'm keep going to keep the list that I have right now. So my number 10 gotcha. movie that will get kicked off if Kinds of Kindness comes out this year is Dune Part 2. It, okay. it barely made the list. I I put it there just because I know that whenever that movie's coming close to coming out, you're going to hype me up for it. I'm going to get really into it. I'm going to read the book. I'm going to want to watch it. 
And then I'm going to ultimately probably get disappointed by it like the last Dune. But <laughs> the hype is still there. I mean, the CGI is still great. The performances are still great. The music is fantastic. So I'm still excited for sure. It's just following because Dune Part One, I think, was in my top five most anticipated for that year whenever it came out. And so I was pumped for it, but it was disappointing. So now it's lower on the list. It is lower on the list, but it's still there. I'm still excited to see Timmy T and Zendaya. I'm still excited to see where the story's going to go. I'm just hesitant, I would say. But it still made the list. Unless Kinds of Kindness comes out this year. Then it gets bumped off. <laughs> My sure. number nine pick is going to be Richard Linklater's Hitman, which is a movie that was finished last year. Oh, yeah. was getting released this year. I'm excited. It's, it's got Glenn Powell attached to it. He co-wrote it, which is interesting. I like Richard Linklater's movies. Always have. And I think it'll be uh, dark, but at the same time a little comic. I think it will have good character. I think... Glenn Powell is going to be great in it. I think I'm going to have a really good time with it, even though I know very little about it. I think it will be fun. Yeah, I also... So that is not on my list at all, although I am intrigued by it. Yeah, it seems so interesting. sort of right? an oversight. I, I don't know if I was looking through the list and it just it's didn't pop up. The reason I that I'm hearing a lot here, about it from yeah. last year, but then it's it got delayed. It was so on, it sort of got lost in the shuffle. Yeah, it was one of the ones that I wanted to see last year really bad, but then it got... Yeah, it got picked up for later. So now it's coming up on this year's list. So hopefully it'll actually get released this year. It's the new Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, my number eight is We Live in Time, which is the the romance movie with Andrew Garfield and Florence Pugh. I know nothing about this movie. There is, I, I know nothing about it. I don't know who the filmmakers are. I don't know who wrote it. I don't think it's based on a book, but I just know that it's a romance movie with Andrew Garfield and Florence Pugh. And that's all I need. I'm sold. You I haven't said, seen. They're hot. Dude, I have not seen Let's like see a, like like a like a good romantic movie since well, I guess Past Lives. But other than Past Lives, I haven't seen like a good romantic movie since La La Land, really. And so I just I miss that feeling because like you, you get the shitty rom coms every year that come out that some people see, like the Sydney Powell or Sydney Sweeney Glenn Powell movie. You know, like <laughs> yeah. they come out every year and they're not good. Or like a uh, like Julia Roberts and George Clooney. Uh, two years last year or whatever which actually wasn't even that bad but it's just not notable you know they come out every year and you watch and you're like oh, i guess love is real in this hollywood version you know it is what it is but i miss the feeling of like going to a theater and like falling in love with characters who fall in love with each other like it's such mm -hmm. a such a beautiful feeling that very rarely happens and past lives did it which was great but the last time before that was la la land which was so long ago so i need i need something i need some kind of romancy movie to hit Really hard because past lives, past lives is kind of about something else other than just love. So there's like a lot of layers to it that don't quite hit what I'm trying to hit here, what I need. So it didn't even like scratch that itch enough for me. As great as it was, we didn't quite get there. But this movie, I have hope for it. I think it'll be great. So I'm all on board. My number seven right. pick is The Promised Land with Maz Mickelson. This movie looks crazy. This movie looks really, really good. It's Maz Mikkelsen, and he is in 17th century, 18th century Norway, or Norway, Denmark, somewhere. And he's just trying to farm land. That's the whole plot of the movies. He is there, and he's farming land. And the, the rich landowners are trying to fight him on it, and the soil is fighting him because it's a very hard land that's hard to farm. And he just wants to farm that shit. And it looks intense, 
and raw and real and dark and Maz Mikkelsen's in it and he's fantastic. I'm very much looking forward to it. I haven't seen a good uh, uh, like dark period piece in a while. Like it's been it's been quite a quite a bit. There was the Northman that came out, which is more of an action movie, and there was the Green Knight, which was a little trippy in ways that I can't really under I don't really understand. But this this movie seems very straightforward. It seems very uh, uh, like simply plotted, but very well executed kind of movie. I think I can get into it. And then my last movie in this batch, number six. It's called Handling the Undead. This is a movie that takes place in Oslo. It is based on a horror book from 2005, I think, by a Norwegian author. And it's basically this big, um, what's it called? This big uh, uh, electromagnetic wave comes across Oslo that like shuts down electronics and then like brings people back from the dead. So it's kind of like a zombie movie, except they're not acting like zombies. They're like literally undead people. And the, the, the citizens of Oslo are trying to adjust to their presence. It feels more like it's eerie rather than like a straight horror movie where there's jump scares and zombies trying to eat people. It feels more like the eerie presence of these undead people who are now just walking around who aren't necessarily attacking or anything, but are, they are brought back from the dead. It feels like a more realistic version of what a zombie movie could be. Like they're not trying to kill. They're not trying to attack. They're just present. And it's trying to adjust to that way of life in a very eerie setting. It seems cool. It seems very good. I watched the trailer. Looks very scary. I think I'm into it. I think I can dig it. Gotcha. I will definitely not be uh, joining you for that. Ah, but what if it's really, really good? What if I convince you? Like it's really, really artsy and really, really fancy. Really, really good. Like what if it could be my top three movies of the year? You'd have to see it. I mean, maybe you'll have to definitely do some convincing. I'll watch it. I'll I'll watch it first, and I'll let you know if it's too scary. Uh, all right, let's go to my top 10 through six. So number 10, Joker, Folie a deux. I mean, it's got to be on here just because the choice of making it a musical mm-hmm. as like the sequel, such a big departure from the first one, or at least just the vibes of that first one, aside from that one scene where he's dancing in the bathroom. Musicals are making a comeback. That, then that'll be cool. They really are. But I wonder if this will be marketed as a musical or not. They're like trying to make a comeback, but no one wants to be like, oh, it is a musical. So we'll see how that plays. But I do think it'll be fascinating to see their take on Harley Quinn and the Joker. And then again, this musical approach, I think they can lean into a lot of fun, surrealist imagery, go crazy with it. And then even though we didn't like Joker, the first film, Mm. I think there will be a lot to discuss from this film. I'm holding out a fun conversation starter and yeah, I mean, we want it to be good. Like, hopefully it is going to be an improvement over the first one. But yeah, again, either way, there's the cinematography and the score yeah. were like undeniable from that first one. So hopefully that'll continue. that will be great. I'm interested to see how Lady Gaga fits into that role. Joaquin Phoenix, very good. Yeah, I don't know if that was his greatest performance ever, but... I think it, it's very solid. It is fascinating to see him coming back because this is something he doesn't typically do, like doing franchise work like this. So I'm excited to see what they do with it. Um, my number nine is going to be Twisters. Have you heard of this? I one? have heard about this. No. It was it was close Bro. to being on the list. <laughs> I just, I don't know. There's something about 
this the, like again within the whole the idea that it's, it's Lee Isaac Chung is crazy. That's great. Yeah, coming off of Minari, he's going to be doing this film. So that piques my interest for sure. And then, again, this just being like a disaster film, I am very partial to those. I just enjoy them a lot. Uh, and then the the fact that in the superhero landscape that has sort of taken over since the 2010s, getting blockbusters that just feel like they can be standalone. Like This is obviously a sequel to Twister, but none of the cast is really returning. Some for, I mean, they can't return, but um, oh. for other reasons, they're like, yeah, we're just going to try and make it like a, a standalone thing. So it is going to be Rest somewhat of a continuation, but not, um, yeah, Bill Paxton, among others. And so it's a whole whole thing, but they'll be able to just have this sort of standalone, big budget, huge spectacle, summer blockbuster, just put popcorn in your mouth, watch the crazy tornadoes, wreck some towns. Sure. I think it'll be a fun time. Uh, and then definitely curious to see what sort of emotional dimension the Isaac Chung is able to bring out of everyone there. It has Glenn Powell is also in that one. Um, twice he's been on each of our lists. We'll see which actor is like the number one represented between the lists. So he's in there, Daisy Edgar Jones. Um, so quite a few people to look forward to in that as well. So yeah, Twisters, I'm just excited for it. I think it'll be a fun change of pace from the types of blockbusters we've been getting and that's sort of the uh the overall theme of my list it's just something that you can get excited for you can get pumped for they are big typically spectacle focused but they're more unique and have more of a vision to them so number eight civil war from alex garland i am very fascinated by this again such a cheeky insane thing to put this out in the election year crazy it will be the most polarized since the civil war um and then it's it's alex garland so i haven't loved all of his films ex machina great annihilation and men i was not too big on each of them but in all of his films there's fantastic visuals he's definitely able to put together an image or again just like a concept like the very end of annihilation if you know, you know, I'm not going to try and spoil anything, but what goes on with the shimmer and then the self birthing scene in men, mm -hmm. if y'all remember that, I mean, hard to forget if you have seen it, that is some pretty great stuff. So able to do great stuff with visuals. And then he's also very thought provoking. Like you always go in to the film and he raises these questions, poses these questions, tackles interesting subject matter and gets you thinking about it. And so this one, which just seemed to be compared to his recent ones, more like action focused, but I'm guessing he won't be able to help himself in including like just an interesting angle on all of this and what he's going to be saying about society and our division at this moment and all of that. I think there will be some fascinating takes to get from it. The discourse around the film is also going to be wild. Yeah. Which, yeah. The That'd juicy drama minded part of me is like, I can't wait for that. I'm That'd only excited for the Jesse Plemons scene. That's what I'm that looking forward to. Fantastic. So hopefully it'll be a lot of that. There was uh, a, there was a misreport somewhere. I don't remember who did it, but someone reported that the movie was going to be three hours long. And so all of the, all of the like places where you could look up the movie reported that the runtime was three hours long. So I saw that on, on IMDb and I was like, 
what the fuck? There's no fucking way. That's insane. I'm not sitting three hours for this movie. That's crazy. And then it got changed to like a little under two hours, which makes more sense. But yeah, three hours would have been insane. Truly. I've been wild. Um, Maxine is my number seven. Fair. A continuation of Ty West's trilogy with X and then Pearl. Both those films I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. especially Mia Goth's performance. I think she was fantastic in them. However, there was, did you see the news like that just broke last night about Mia Goth? No, what happened? He's getting sued for what? By a background actor for apparently kicking their head oh. during a scene, Uh-oh. which is insanity. So again, that's all. It's just he's getting sued for it. It's alleged at the moment, but that could be a a thing that definitely changes my anticipation for it. If that comes out as uh, like verified that she did that, then that will make me that will drop this off the list hardcore because yeah. that's terrible, and I wouldn't want to go and support someone like that. But at the moment. When I made this list, before finding out that news, this is where it landed, because I'm fascinated to see how it all wraps up. Um, so yeah, my number six is going to be Inside Out 2. Really? Like, That's really high up. It is, but here's the thing. I loved Inside Out. Sure. I think of the there's like that period after Toy Story 3 where they started doing sequels and prequels and all that, and then Inside Out was really their one gem, like original gem that they had. For much of the 2010s and then Coco, yeah, they like were able to, yeah, it was very sparse original films. And then they sort of switched back to sequels and now they sort of pivoted back to originals, but they all haven't been that good. They were on, it was through the pandemic and they put them on Disney Plus and all that. So, yeah, but I think Inside Out was like the big gem of like their post, I mean, untouchable era in the 2000s. It's the one that. For me, is like, okay, like this is a masterpiece on the yeah. same level as those. Yeah. And ever since that time, I was like, this is so ripe for a sequel. It's the only one that like should absolutely get one. These other ones can all stand alone. They don't need a sequel, but this one would be great to do it as she's like, uh, Riley is growing up and going through her teenage years. And so this is that. Inside Out 2 is delivering on that. We're going to get new emotions in there. Um, we're going to get to see how all that plays out i think it's just an incredible concept the original one and then how they're gonna build on it expand on it the trailer that i saw where they introduced like anxiety um i thought was very good so i am looking forward to it it's also i mean it's my mom's favorite film inside out so really favorite like of all time yeah so going to see inside out 2 definitely gonna go with her so that'll be a great theatrical experience as well so yeah, I'm very much looking forward to Inside Out too. All right, now we can move on to to my my movies, my five through two. My number five. Have you heard of this movie? It's called Spaceman. Yeah, Adam Sandler. Yeah, dude. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so excited. It looks crazy. It's Johan Rank who did Chernobyl, which is a very dark, dark movie, and it's starring Adam Sandler, Carrie Mulligan, and Paul Dano. And this looks, it looks like it's gonna be dark and like intense and like very interesting and introspective it's the idea that adam sandler's playing a czechoslovakian man that goes to space just seems so so intriguing i'm very interested in it i think it will be good i'm very i will know very soon it comes out march 1st on netflix so i'm i'm very much looking forward to it i just i want to see adam sandler do more crazy crazy things ever since uh 
ever since uh, uh, Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems, yeah. Ever since Uncut Gems. I've just wanted to see Adam Sandler do so much more. And it's been very rare, very rare that he's stepped out and tried to get into that Uncut Gems kind of sort of vibe of really stepping out of his comfort zone. And this feels like the first time that he might be doing it. So I'm very much looking forward to it. I think it'll be really, really odd and interesting. And no matter what, I think I'll have a good time. Uh, my number four nice. movie is Furiosa. Come on, uh, yes, you, you and I were you and I were a little yeah. bit uh, uh, hesitant about it when we first saw the trailer, and then we went and we saw the boy and the heron in theaters, and they played the Furiosa trailer before it. I don't know what the fuck it is, dude, but something about seeing that shit on the big screen made it look yes. sick, dude. It looks so it's good. So good on the big screen oh looks amazing. Oh my god, I'm so and since that. that- Point. I saw it. I was in an IMAX theater and oh, got dude. to see that trailer on there. It's so good. Yeah, we were like sort of lukewarm about it when the first trailer dropped. But yeah, you got to be in a theater for that. I mean, it is. I'm going full full Dolby when that movie comes out. Full Dolby. Yeah, it is. I'm so excited. So good. Oh my god. I mean, it's just yeah. It's self-explained. It's it's Mad Max. It's Anya Taylor Joy. It's Chris Hemsworth. It's gonna be great. One way or another, I'm still gonna have just a killer time with it. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, my number three movie is a movie that was finished this past year, kind of like a uh, hitman, but it got pushed off for a release date until next year. It's the bike riders with Tom Hardy and Austin oh, yeah. Butler. I just, I like good character dramas and Tom Hardy is one of the best character actors of all time. And so I just think this will be like his shining star moment. I think Tom Hardy is really going to fly with this one. I think he's going to be great. And I think the story seems very interesting. I think the style in which it was filmed is very interesting. I can just, I'm fully behind it. I'm in it all the way. Jodie Comer looks fantastic in it. I think, I think this might be Tom Hardy's Oscar. I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. I, I don't think so. Dude, I gotta, I gotta say, I was excited for it for sure. Like when it was supposed to be coming out this past year, but seeing the trailer, I wasn't fully sold on it, even though, again, it's like Jeff Nichols is a filmmaker who you may remember from one of our guests or one of our just regular flick picks. Yeah, yeah. He did Mud. Um, Mud. And so I'm a fan of him. And then I agree with you there. Like Tom Hardy is great when he absolutely just disappears into a role. But I don't know. Just seeing the trailer, something about it was not clicking with me. I just so it definitely made my anticipation drop down. So I am curious definitely curious but i don't know if that i'm anticipating it and excited for it nah, the trailer made me hyped for it bro i think it looks so good i think tom hardy looks fantastic and so you and i are on opposite ends of the spectrum here my number two movie is gonna be robert eggers nosferatu i figured dude this, this shit's gonna that. be sick he created a whole new uh filter for lenses for this movie to give it a special sort of look oh my god dude it's gonna be so so cool willem dafoe is a vampire hunter Get the fuck out of here. This is going to be epic. I am stoked for this. Absolutely stoked. I'm Bram (laughs) Stokedjerd. Nice. Yeah, I figured this would be a lot of people's bliss. Yeah, because he, Robert Eggers, definitely become one of the big, uh, like, film lovers' directors to watch. So we'll see if this one, which I, I don't even know, like, if this is going to be a more commercial minded film or if he's just going to go full on weird wacky as he's done in the past either way it should be an interesting film dude and bill skarsgård's the vampire like come on come on get the fuck out of here it's gonna be so good yeah all right now for my five through two starting out with 
Gladiator 2. You knew to be on the list. Big fan of Gladiator Not 1. Ridley Scott, I believe in his ability to get a hit on this one. Again, he, he goes through hit to miss to hit to miss. We're due for a hit. So Gladiator 2 is going to be the one where we get that great quality. Again, Paul Mescal, Denzel Washington. Come on. That's fantastic. So I'm very much looking forward to how they do this take on the story. Again, it's one of those weird ones where it's like Gladiator 2 or Heat 2. It's like, do we need a sequel to these? Hopefully there's such a strong like pool, creative pool, that made them be like, yes, we need to tell this story. So can't wait to see us revisiting that world. My number four is Mickey 17, and I will not talk about it because I'm sure we'll hear it again. Number three, Dune Part 2. I am still very much excited for this film. So, yeah, I mean, Dune Part 1, I was so hyped going into that. A lot of people did not come out with it feeling energized and enlightened, but I did. Okay, and so I'm carrying into Dune Part 2, that same energy. It looks fantastic. It's creating this whole world and atmosphere that you're not getting in any other major sci-fi blockbuster. It is one of a kind. Again, the performances are fantastic. The special effects are insane. I love that we're going to get more of a spotlight on characters uh, in this one, like Fade Ratha and Chani. I think there's some sequences in the book that I don't know how they're possibly going to adapt, but if he is able to adapt to Villeneuve in a way that like I was imagining it while reading it, possibly one of the great like film sequences we could possibly get is going to be that insane, like visually stunning. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm just excited to see this world continue to revisit Arrakis. I'm down for it. Number two, Furiosa. Let's go. It's insane. Like watching that on the big screen instantly was like, okay, the hype is insane. And then in the IMAX theater, it's off the charts. And then recently mm-hmm. got a glimpse at a future trailers coming out. So seeing some more footage and it is just fantastic. Like yeah. I'm so ready again. Can it hit the highs of Mad Max Fury Road, which is probably the greatest action film ever made. Who cares? It's going to get so close. Like (laughs) he's got the touch still 85 or six years old or something, whoever George Miller going crazy with it. It's killing Chris Hemsworth seems fantastic in the film. He's having a lot of fun. Anya Taylor joy is incredible. And so many sequences where she just looks, I think the trailer, it ends with like, but can you make it epic? Yes, they can. They absolutely can make it epic. Furiosa is going to be fantastic. Cannot wait. All right, my most anticipated movie of this year. I'm sure you can guess it, Ryan. Gladiator yeah. 2. No, I'm just kidding. Let me <laughs> That'd be insane. That'd be insane. I, I did not like the first Gladiator. Uh, it's going to be Mickey 17. I mean, obviously. Come on. I am I am the uh, number one ho for Bong Joon-ho by far. <laughs> I, love, I love so many of his movies. I've seen his entire filmography except for Okja, I think. Oh, I think I've seen all of it. And, he, I mean, he's just... He's just such a, a unique filmmaker and he makes such interesting and fascinating stories. Even even things that you think would be like more uh, like commercial and, and like a little bit more uh, something something that you wouldn't expect to be like standing out like like something like Snowpiercer still just like kills it. Oh, my God. It's, it's amazing the things that he can do with the camera. And he's been 
He's been ruminating since Parasite came out, just sitting there waiting, waiting for his time, waiting for it to be the year of Bong Joon-ho again. And this is this year. There's no other movie that's going to compare. I swear it has to be good. It has to be good. I'm so hyped. Robert Pattinson, Stephen Yoon, Tony Collette. Robert Pattinson's in space. It is sci-fi related. Know nothing about the plot. It's based on a book. I might read the book beforehand just to know more because I'm very curious. Uh, but I'm not sure. I might go without it. We'll see. But I'm just so hyped. So hyped. Agree. Yeah. It has to I be mean, good. It's been five years. So since long. Bong Joon-ho's latest thing. And so we've been seeing that same picture of Robert Pattinson in that little tube for the longest time. And they just recently moved it off of its release. It was supposed to come out into March. Now it is undated. Oh, so gosh. I think they'll put it back on the calendar for later this year. But they better. I'm gonna. I'm gonna die. I'm just gonna fucking die. teasing us, man. And they haven't given us like a full trailer yet or full teaser. I need to see so, this goddamn movie. I need to see. I know it. they need to. They need to give us more. But I mean, as you said, he's one of the most interesting filmmakers. Able to, like with Snowpiercer, um, and like Okja and these ones where it's more in like a genre setting, but he's tackling these very important and critical social issues. And then with something like Parasite. Again, taking more of just like a family drama, but then that being one of the greatest films of that decade. So it did is. You ever see, did you ever see Mother? I have not. Oh yet. my god, dude, that movie's wild. What a what, to, one, of the, one of the craziest endings I've ever seen in a movie. So he's such yeah, fascinating filmmaker. Anything that he does is going to be interesting. And then there's an extremely high possibility that's going to be great and stick with you for the longest time. So him doing Mickey 17, which definitely seems to be veering back into like very uh, genre focused. It'll be sci-fi, but you know, he's going to be able to incorporate again, some interesting um, social commentary. It's going to be great performances in there. Again, you listed out the cast. Robert Pattinson is creating some of the most like interesting work in the past, like five, six years. Yeah. So him being attached to it is very exciting. So yeah, that is definitely one to look forward to. But my number one is a film which, albeit, is not yet dated for 2024. We will see. The filmmaker has said it should be 2024, but who knows? If it does come out in 2024, like you with Like Kinds of Kindness, I mean, it has to be at the top of the list for me. If not, then, you know, Furious will be the number one. But if it is coming out in 2024, there's no film that I'm going to be more excited to watch, more curious to watch, more excited to do all the like prep work for going through the filmmakers, filmography. It is, and I don't even know if you can guess it. Do you want to venture a guess? Megalopolis? Oh, it sure is. Oh, Megalopolis. Right. Come on. Francis Ford Coppola. He sold his vineyard so that he could fund this film on his own. That's how much he believed in it for decades. He's mm -hmm. had this idea. He's had it in his brain. He's like, how can I make it? It's impossible. It can't be done. And I don't have the money. But then he got rich enough selling wine. <laughs> and so he was like, I am now ready to do my big finale. That Francis Ford Coppola wine is not that bad, too. Just oh, to, just to it? a plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah, bad. There you go. It's cheap wine, but I mean, for cheap wine, it's pretty good. All right. Well, there you go. So he is going to be coming back with the vengeance. Okay. This film, which is... Let me just read out. So it's new, based in New York City, and it's them trying to turn it into a utopia, basically. But it's like 
meant to be a speculative fiction take on it, not a real life New York City, but it being a parallel for the Roman Empire and its decline. And so the main character is caught between two different ideals and ideas of what the city can be, one being represented by Adam Driver as Caesar, the other being represented by Forrest Whitaker as Frank Cicero, the father of the main character, who again is being torn between these ideas of like what New York City can be following a disaster. So I think it'll be tackling a lot of interesting ideas. Again, the budget was more than 120 million. So I'm imagining a whole bunch of that is going to creating this fascinating world, changing New York City, overhauling it. Again, I'm just, I'm just sad to see what it's going to look like. Is it going to like take from Rome and take a lot of that style of architecture? Um, how are they going to reform New York City to, to look like that and be entirely new? No clue. But if anyone can do it, it's Francis Ford Coppola. And again, his career is crazy to look at. In the 70s, dropping four films that you could say are some of the best ever. Again, high contention for that. At least one of them is going to be in anyone's like top list. And then after that, having a whole bunch of duds. Yeah. It's here crazy. he's got something to prove. Like he's been out of the game for a bit. It's been, I think, 13 years since his last one. And again, all his works in the 21st century have been very small scale. So he's coming back with a huge project. Insane cast. Again, Adam Driver, Horace Whitaker, Lawrence Fishburne, Natalie Manuel, John Voigt is in your Opry Plaza, Jason Schwartzman, Dustin Hoffman. Giancarlo Esposito, Shia LaBeouf, like yeah. an insane cast to get together. Um, interesting personalities on there, a lot of them. So, and they are great performers. So we'll see how he was able to uh, handle all of that. There was reports that it was a troubled production. They mm. tried to deny it, but they were saying maybe it is the case. If it was... Uh, as troubled as Apocalypse Now and turns out with the same quality, then we're golden. Okay, this is going to be one of the best films ever. So I'm so excited for it. it, it either going to be a masterpiece from one of our great filmmakers who lost his touch along the way, and maybe this is him getting it back, one final great creative explosion, or it'll be an absolute disaster in a train yeah. wreck. And for that alone, it'll be fascinating to see how it all went wrong. Uh, so I'm leaning yeah, towards train wreck. So excited. Could be, could be. It's just I been so long since Francis Ford Coppola had a hit. And yes, in the seventies, <laughs> so he, he was like the king of filmmaking and yes, he's had so many, he's the you know, Godfather, Godfather two, apocalypse. Now, uh, the conversation like Patton, like he, he has had big hits on his hands for sure, but it's just been, it's been 50 years, man. It has been 50 <laughs> years since the seventies. I can't think of a single movie between then and now that of his that has been like well received other than like the only one that I've seen that I've liked since the seventies was the rainmaker with Matt Damon. But other than that, like can't think of a single Coppola movie that like stands out. He fell off so hard. <laughs> I can't, it would be, it would be, it would be the greatest comeback story. If Megalopolis was exactly. like, that's what I'm believing. It was in. Like, like the greatest comeback cinematic comic of all time if it was like a masterpiece like like his version of avatar like it would it would be the biggest greatest comeback he sweeps the oscars it would be such a good story 
But exactly. I'm leaning towards it being just this crazy disaster, like Ridley Scott's newer movies. Like, <laughs> I feel like it's going to be his. I think it's more likely to be his. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, fucking Ridley Scott, Adam Driver. <laughs> There's a few of those. House Sh- shitty Italians. Yeah, House of Gucci. It's going to be his House of Gucci. <laughs> I feel yeah. like it's more likely it to is. be that. We'll see. I I will go see it. I hold out hope that Francis Ford Coppola can reel it in, but it is doubtful. We'll see. Either way, I will be there day one to see it go down. It would be the greatest comeback story of all time. Or not. For sure. And that's why I believe it. I I want it so badly for him, but we will see. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, Megalopolis has to be my number one. Fair enough. All right, that's all the time we have. If you'd like to give your thoughts on the show, you can email us at theboxofficeshowpod at gmail.com. Our main title theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. If you like the show, please give us five stars on whatever podcast I'll be listening to, and be sure to tune in next week. Have a great rest of your day.